Good morning. Um, please take your Bibles and open them up in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1. Book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1. Let's pray um, as we seek to open up God's Word together. Let's pray. Our Lord, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for your wisdom. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Pray that that would be a reality in our life, Lord, that we will never cease to thank you for your grace. And we know in eternity we will see grace upon grace upon grace. And for eternity we will be singing of your grace. And so I ask, Lord, that you would speak to fallen, feeble people this morning because we need you. Just reminded, Lord, even in my own heart and soul, I get so frustrated about all the little things in life, distractions of the rain and car parks and seating and all this different stuff, Lord. And yet we come to you now asking you for your wisdom. Speak to us, Lord, we pray in your precious name. Amen. One of the reasons I love Proverbs so much is because I find myself a lot of the time in my life saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know if you find yourself saying that in your own life, but do you find yourself saying that many times in your life? I don't know what to do. There are so many situations in the past few weeks and months where I've said to myself, I do not know what to do. Even in terms of just leading this church and Brendan and I discussing about all the different things we're going to do and how you're going to interpret regulations and all these things, there's many times Brendan and I have sat together saying, we don't know what to do. Now sometimes we'll fake it up here and say we do know what we're doing, but many times it will feel like we don't know what we're doing. And why I love the book of Proverbs is this. The book of Proverbs says to you and me, I know what to do. We're constantly saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to deal with my marriage. I don't know how to deal with my parenting. I don't know how to deal with my finances. I don't know how to deal with my work. And Proverbs comes and speaks to us and says, I know what to do. The problem is we treat Proverbs like the friend we don't like and we ignore him. And he comes again and again and says, I know what to do, I know what to do. And we say no. And so that's why I love this book. Because it helps us and tells us what we should do in life. It gives us the skill and wisdom and knowledge of how we are to live our life for the glory and honor of God. But you know yourselves. That wisdom, if we're going to follow the wisdom and direction of our Lord in our lives, it must begin with what? The fear of the Lord. You notice that in chapter 1, verse 7. That is the motto of this whole book. Fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And did you notice when I read that last week, the fear of the Lord, that Lord is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Whenever it says that in your English Bibles, you know what that's pointing to? 
It is pointing to the name that they could not name. Yahweh. Fear Yahweh. They could never write the name in full, so we don't actually know what the name is in full because they thought we have to have so much respect and so much reverence for this name that we can't even write it out in full. Fear the Lord your God. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Fear Yahweh. And that's where wisdom must begin. You will not be able to hear anything from this book if you have not started with fear of the Lord? Have you put your trust in Him? Is He your God? Do you live a life in fear of Him? That's where wisdom begins. Because you see, there can be people who are wise in this world and who act in much skill in this world. Say, say a mountain climber, for example, who climbs great mountains with, with no ropes and, and he climbs with such skill. You know, finding all the little grips as he climbs up and he's admired by the world as this guy with such great skill and wisdom as to know how to climb up this mountain. And yet Proverbs would say, that man is a fool if that man does not recognize the one who made the mountain. Same with the sailor. He can sail around the world with such skill and know all of what to do and everybody gets so impressed and he makes the news. And we say, oh, what skill, what wisdom. But that man is a fool if he doesn't realize the one who made the ocean that he is upon. So the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's where we need to start. Wisdom speaks order into our chaos. So let's hear from this book of wisdom. This morning we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 8 to 19. Let's read it together. God's word to us. Chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us. We will have, we will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. What you have here, before we get into this speech, what you need to notice here is we have a typical father-son speech. 
It is a father-son talk. The father comes to the son and he sits the son down and says, Son, I have something to tell you. I want to talk with you. I want to plead with you. Here's how we know it's a father-son speech. Look at verse 8. Hear my son. Verse 10. My son. Verse 15. My son. Do not walk in the way with them. And so what you have in this chapter is this father bringing aside the son and pleading with him, don't walk in the way of fools. And the first nine chapters of Proverbs, you are going to have ten father-son speeches. Can you imagine that? If you're a father bringing aside your son ten times just to talk with him. So this is what the father does. He brings him aside ten times and he's going to give him ten speeches. And what he wants to say to him is this. There are two paths in life, son. There is the way of the fools and there is the way of wisdom. I plead with you, go the way of wisdom. He he pulls his son aside and says, son, there are two paths. There is the wide path, son, that leads to destruction. And many will go down that path. But son, there is a narrow way that leads to life. And few will find it. My son, go down that path. And so throughout these ten speeches in the first nine chapters, the father is going to be pleading with the son, my son, my son, my son. And here in the speech, what you have is, is as with all the speeches in the first nine chapters, there's kind of three sections. There's an introduction, a main body, and a conclusion. But really what the father is doing in all those three sections is he's saying to the son three things. He's saying to the son, my son, listen up. My son, watch out. And my son, stay away. Listen to what he says first. My son, listen up. Verse 8. Hear my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. The first thing he wants to say to his son is my son, listen up. It's what every parent does to their child when they take their child aside. Do you often find yourself saying to the child, look at me, look at me, look into my eyes. Because the younger they are, the more they're kind of like this. And, and the father's trying to say, just, just look at me, look into my eyes. And what's the father saying? When the father's saying, look at me, the father is saying, in effect, I want you to pay attention and listen up. If there's one thing every parent wants, if you were to ask, interview every parent in the world and say, if you could make your child do one thing, what would you make them do? Listen. I'd make them listen. That's what I'd do. If I had one thing, it would be to listen. If there's one thing that causes the most frustration probably in your house right now, it is this fact that they do not listen. And when they don't, it causes great frustration. And what you'll realize in life is when when people don't listen to you, It causes that great frustration in your life, doesn't it? There's nothing more annoying when you're talking to someone, right? You're you're talking to someone and you can see. You can see from their eyes. They're fading away. They're not listening to a word you're saying. There's nothing more annoying than that. 
It's frustrating. And maybe you find yourself in your life, sitting in your life saying, nobody listens to me. My boss doesn't listen to me. My wife doesn't listen to me. My children doesn't li- don't listen to me. And it's so frustrating. And what can happen is we can sit on our high horse and say, nobody listens to me. Question for us is, are we listening to God? Because yes, this is the speech from a father to a son. But ultimately, what speech is it? It is from the Father to His sons. And what you can do with Proverbs is you can listen in and say, Yeah, son, don't do that. Yeah, listen to your parents, don't do that. The question is, are you listening to what the Father is saying to you? How frustrating it is when people don't listen to us. Can you imagine the Creator of the universe? And us little people choose not to listen to him. My son, listen up. And that is one of the main things we need to hear in the book of Proverbs. Remember last week? Let the wise hear. Verse 5 of chapter 1. It is foolishness not to listen to him. And so I would encourage you in your life, Take every opportunity you can get to listen to God your Father. Take every opportunity individually, personally, and every opportunity that this church offers you to hear the voice of God and hear it well. Take the opportunities to prepare your heart to listen up to the words of the Father. And there is a note I want to say here as well to parents and to children. We will get to parenting in Proverbs, believe me. But in these verses, I think if we skipped it, it would be a tragedy. Because here is what it says, verse 8. Your father's instruction and your mother's teaching. Parents, it is our job to teach and instruct our children. And there is something there for us to learn. It is the parent's job. Often what happens in, in, par- in parenting is, is one parent will sit back and let the other parent do all the teaching and the work. And often what happens is, is, is it's the father who sits back and, le- and lets the mother do all the teaching and all the work. But actually the call here is for both parents to work together, for fathers and mothers to work together to teach and instruct their children in the ways of the Lord. And so we have that picture here for parents actively teaching their children. In Scripture, we're not called to just sit and watch with our children. We do plenty of that. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying we do a lot of that. In Scripture, we're not just called to sit and eat with our children. But we should do that. We're called to sit and teach and instruct our children. May the Lord help us do that. And the reason I think we need to teach and instruct and help our children is this. If we don't, the world will. John Flavel, a Puritan back years ago said this, and I I changed the quote a little. He said this, if you neglect to instruct your children in the way of holiness, 
the devil will not neglect to instruct them in the way of wickedness. If you will not teach them to pray, he will teach them to curse, swear, and lie. The reality is this. Your, your children, your family are being taught things every single day. And what we need to do as parents is come in and instruct them and teach them in the ways of the Lord. And for children, the instruction for every child here in the room is that you are called to listen to the instruction of your parents. Listen to me. Your parents don't hate you. Your parents want good for you. Your parents want you to listen because they want good in your life. And you as a child, you are called to listen to them that it might go well with you. So the father comes and he says to the son, my son, listen up. And then he says, my son, watch out. Look at verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and, and whole. Like those who go down to the pit, we shall find all precious good. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us. We will all have one purse. Do you notice what he's saying to the son? He's taking on the language of the sinners. And he's saying, when sinners come and entice you, listen, we're all sinners. We can acknowledge that. But what he's saying is, watch out for those habitual, blatant sinners who try and entice you into their ways. Watch out. And then, and then he speaks as, as if he, he was that crowd. He, he speaks as if he was that gang. And what does he say? Do you notice the group kind of mentality? Come with us. Let us lie down. Let us ambush. Let us swallow. We shall find, we shall fill, throw in your lot with us. Do you hear it? That's the the group mentality. What it is simply called is peer pressure. And all of us experience that, whether you are young or old, this pressure of the world that says to you constantly, come with us, come with us, come with us. It is the voice of the world. And we think it's only a kid problem, but actually, it is an adult problem too. We're tempted to follow the world when the world says, come with us. In fact, I saw a while ago this experiment by National Geographic. It was just a very, very simple experiment. They got 10 people to line up in a line. And they showed those 10 people two pictures. The one picture had this quite long line on it. And the other picture had had three different size lines on it. So two pictures, one had a long line, one had three different size lines. And those three different size lines were A, B, and C. And it was clear that this picture on the left of one line matched the line C. It didn't match the length of A. It didn't match the length of B. It matched the length of C. And so what happened was these, these 10 people were supposed to line up and say, which line in this picture, this one line, matched the other picture? And it was clear. It was obvious. It was C. Without a doubt, it was C. 
So what they did in the experiment is they hired nine actors to go first. And the match was this line to see. But the nine actors went first and they said, A, 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 A. It was clearly C. And then you noticed when the last person came up, you, you, you saw them pause and, and look. And a lot of them went with A. Even though it was clearly C. And this was adults. We often tend to follow the group. And I think the Bible has it right when it says in Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. We as human beings, we are followers. We are sheep that follow other people. We experience that pressure. Now, when I, when I thought about this church and when I thought about the people in the church, I actually thought to myself, if you were brought up with that experiment, you would probably say, a lot of us, I think, would probably say, actually, no, it's C. I think we have some strong personalities here who probably would go with C. That's a good thing in many ways. But I think what we need to realize about all of us, maybe you are strong, maybe you would be able, I, there's no way I'd fall for that experiment. I'd definitely say C. The reality that you have to know is this. While we mightn't all fold at every single um, peer pressure that comes our way, often we do fold in how we are influenced. We are all influenced in some way, whether it's small or big, and it doesn't matter who you are and how strong your personality is, all of us are influenced. When you watch things, you need to realize that that show, in some sense, is saying, come with us. That show, in some sense, is normalizing and portraying what is normal for life and normal for this world. And in some sense, it's saying, come with us. The, the music that you listen to, how powerful is music? It is so powerful. The fact that you could listen to a song once and, and know the chorus in weeks' time, it is powerful. And to say in some way that that doesn't influence you is wrong. Of course it does. In fact, the world knows this very, very well. The world knows that we're influenced. Do you know why? Take social media, for example. They reckon that active social media followers is about 4 billion in this world. Active. So there's many people that are inactive, but there's many people who are active. About 4 billion. That's this world. And on social media, what you will notice is this. They actually name it. They call people influencers. Why? Because they know those people influence. And they know we as human beings, we're influenced. And actually, they go out and they say it. These people are influencers. Why do you think they keep putting ads on bus stops? Just for design? It's because it works. We're influenced very easily. And so, so what happens to us on social media or whatever, you, if you start following someone, if you're on Instagram or whatever you're on, if you, you start following someone, you will realize this. You are influenced by that person. You will notice yourself start talking like them. You'll notice yourself start dressing like them. You'll notice yourself getting influenced by them. 
There's times in, in my marriage, you know, I realize we're influenced by each other. There's, there's times that I feel like that's what Luana would say. And it's in my head. I can't get her out of there. It's just, it, it's an influence. And I do the same with her. We, we influence each other. And that's what happens in this world. And so what I, I, I think is really good, if we're going to listen to the Father here, is just recognize for a second, watch out for those areas in your life where the world is saying, come with us. Go back home today and look at what you're watching. Go back home today and look at what you're listening to. And ask yourself this question, how is this influencing me? Is it drawing me more to the fear of the Lord? Or is it drawing me more away from Him? Go to your social media account. Look at the 300 people that you're following. And ask yourself, how are these people influencing me? And should I, should I stop following some of them? And should I listen to what the Lord is saying to me? I'm not going to spell that out for you. I'm not going to say what's right and what's wrong. This is where wisdom comes in. That's where wisdom comes in. It goes in and and speaks to the chaos of your life and speaks to the gray of your life and says to you, listen, you need to fear the Lord and here's here's what that is going to look like for you. My son, listen up. My son, watch out when they say, come. And my son, stay away. Stay away. Because what's the primary thing he's saying to the son in this whole passage? What is he telling him to stay away from? What is he telling him to listen to? What is he telling him to watch out for? We see in, what are, what are they tempting him to do? We see in verse 11, they're saying, come lie with us in wait for blood. In other words, what they want to do, it's kind of a picture way of saying, um, what they want to do is, is kill. It's kind of a, a poetic language. You, you'll see actually in Proverbs, just, just to let you know, you'll see in your Bible, often it, it, it is indented in Proverbs. In other books, you'll see it's just normal, normal writing, normal paragraphs. But here you see it's indented. When you see it's indented, you should say to yourself, that's poetic. And what that means is that's complicated Hebrew. That's what that is. Complicated Hebrew. And so what, what we have here is, is this picture kind of language that the father in, in, a, in a poetic form is saying, listen, what they're saying to you is, is, is come with us and kill for what purpose? Why are they wanting you to kill? Verse 13, we shall find precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. In other words, what are they telling you to go after? Your greed, your lusts, your wants, the things of this world. Come with us and get yours. Come with us and gain This is why at the end of Proverbs, it concludes by saying this, verse 19, chapter 1, verse 19, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. My son, stay away from the greed of this world. Because my son, It will take away your life. What is it worth a man 
if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his very soul. Watch out, my son. Watch out for the greed of this world. Have you noticed that about this world, the greed? Have you got those phone calls recently? You know those phone calls recently that have been coming in? You know, it used to be those phone calls would come in and they'd be from Uzbekistan and you'd see the number, it'd be really complicated. You'd just hang up before. But now they're prank calling us. Now they're scam calling us with Irish numbers. I got like three the other day in one day. And I keep answering it. Yeah, I was going to say something else. I keep answering it in, in foolishness. Hello? And then you get this automated response and they say, there's some problem with your tax number, there's some problem with your PPS or whatever it is, you're going to have to pay up and whatever. What's that driven by? Why Why would they call each day? I don't know how they're doing it. Maybe there's just a guy with a button it's like pressing all the numbers. I don't know how they're doing it. But what is driving what they're doing? What makes them call everybody in Ireland three times a day? What makes them do that? It's greed. It's greed. They want money. And it infuriates us. Why? Because you think immediately of your grandmother or your grandfather. And they say, it frustrates you that people could be that greedy. That they would scam someone like that. And it infuriates us. And we point the finger and we say, how could they call? And yet when we look at our own lives. Man, you may not be scam calling a grandmother. Don't tell me that you don't get influenced by the greed of this world. I do. We all do. See your neighbor down the road. (laughs) The builder friend of mine says, I love getting a job in an estate. Do you know why? Because I start building on a house and everybody says, oh, he's got the nice extension. And then suddenly, suddenly, before he knows it, 10 other people have got a job He's got a job from 10 other people in the estate. Why? Because we all want what everybody else has. Subtly, greed can creep into our lives. And it's not just with money. It's, it's, we were, Brendan was talking about this on, on Friday. The, the, the idol of different things in our life. We can be greedy with our time. How greedy are we with our time right now? If it takes away from my leisure... I'm not going to let it take away from my leisure time. I mean, I have a box set to catch up on. I need to watch for five hours. And then do you know what happens after you watch watch for five hours? Do you know what happens? This is just for free. But do you know what happens after you, you, you watch for five hours? It feels like you've been watching for 20 minutes and then you're more annoyed than when you started. It's not restful at all, really. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just, I'm just pointing out the reality of what actually happens in that time of rest that we're supposed to have. And again, I'm not being legalistic. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying oftentimes we can be so, so greedy with our time. Rather than using it for the Lord, it's His. Time belongs to Him. It belongs to Him. We can be greedy with our gifts. We sit there and we say, I'm not going to tell anybody that I can do this. Because the moment I tell them, they're going to ask me to do it. Maybe you should. I believe if you trust in Jesus, I believe if you've trusted in Jesus, God has uniquely gifted you. He 
It's uniquely gifted you. Sometimes what happens to us, though, is we don't like the way he's gifted us because what often happens in your gifts, you find it a really easy thing. Just like it's just what you naturally do and you don't think it could be a gift because it's just what I do. Well, actually, not everybody thinks the way you think and not everybody can do the way you do. But, but what we can do is we can be greedy with our money, with our time, with our stuff, with our gifts. And what the father would say to us is, my son, watch out. My son, stay away. My son, listen up. And if you're like I was this week, you will have realized, I'm a disobedient son. (laughs) I don't listen up. I don't watch out. And I don't stay away. And if you're like that, you're a lot like Israel too. Do you remember when they were given the Ten Commandments in Exodus? We will listen up. We'll obey. Happened the next day. They didn't obey. They didn't listen up. We will stay away. We won't marry the foreign nations. What happened? They intermarried with the foreign nations. We won't be greedy. What happened to them in the desert? They were fed with water. They were fed with food. And yet, (laughs) they said, send us back to Egypt. Send us back to slavery. We're a lot like them. The beautiful thing that makes me praise the Lord each day, that helps me get up in the morning, is that there is one obedient son. There is one who did listen to the Father. He was obedient to Him to the point of death, even death on a cross. He could have had it all. Remember when He was tempted in the desert? What did He say? No. When He was in the garden, what did He pray? Not my will. Yours be done. He was the only one, only son on this planet when sinners enticed him. He said no. And he did that for you and for me. And when this world says to you, come with us. Do you know what Jesus says to you? Come with me. Come with me. Come live the life of obedience. Come live the life of righteousness. Come and follow me. Yes, you will fall. Yes, you will fail. Yes, you won't listen up. Yes, you won't watch out. Yes, you won't stay away. Yes, you will be influenced by this world. But I'm asking you now, deny yourself. Take up your cross and come follow me. When sinners entice you, my son, Walk away. Wide is the path that leads to destruction, Jesus said. And many will go down that path. But narrow is the way that leads to life. And few will find it.
And the only way to find it is through the one true obedient Son. Let's pray. Our Lord, we recognize that we are sinners in need of grace. That we are disobedient sons and daughters. And yet we are called to live a life of obedience. We are called to live a life that listens to you, that stays away from sin. We find it so hard to live that life that we're called to live. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us come to you to know that we have your righteousness, that you have bestowed on us your righteousness, that you live that life for us. Lord Jesus, help us listen to your voice. In your name, amen.